0: Welcome to the Aesthetic Doctor Podcast. We don't shy away and keep secrets here. We empower you with education, telling you the truth about all things aesthetic medicine while encouraging you to be the best version of yourself. It's time to look great and feel good doing it. This is your host, mom, speaker, and board-certified physician, Dr. Judith Borger.
1: Good morning, friends. This is Dr. Borger, and I would like to welcome you to the second episode of the Aesthetic Doctor podcast. Today, we're going to talk about Botox. Yes, I'm going to say it again, Botox, Botox, Botox. We're going to talk about what it is, its uses, some of the contraindications, what to expect during a consultation, and any of the other things that I can kind of think of. Anyway, what is Botox? Well, if you ask me, Botox is magic fairy pixie dust. It is my favorite procedure. It's the procedure I do most often at Concierge Medical Arts. And when I say my favorite procedure, I mean, it's the procedure I most like getting. I mean, Botox just changes your entire life. It gives you that beautiful smoothness. It gives you that Botox glow. If Botox is well done, I don't think there's anybody who regrets having Botox done to their face. So Botox is just magic. Well, beyond magic. And when I say Botox, I'm going to abbreviate it as Botox, but I mean any sort of botulinum toxin. An injectable neuromodulator that is derived from neurotoxins produced by Clostridium botulinum, which is the same bacteria that gives you botulism. What Botox does, it paralyzes skeletal muscle that it's injected into. It does that by inhibiting the neurotransmission between peripheral nerve endings and muscle fibers. For example, if you were doing an angry, angry frown, That was already causing you the 11 line, that glabellar line. Botox will inhibit you from frowning so strongly or frowning at all. And thus, your frown line will smoothen out. And you won't be able to make that angry line anymore. It is by far the most requested and the most commonly used injectable. It's the most performed procedure in facial rejuvenation. And like I said, for my own personal face, my face without Botox is just not as happy as my face with Botox. It is just absolutely feel good. It rejuvenates. It refreshes. It makes you look glowing. It takes the old and the tired away, all in a very quick office procedure. The clinical relevance of Clostridium botulinum has actually been recognized for a very, very long time. All the way back in 1897, the toxin was identified as what causes the paralysis of botulism. Since then, we found out that there's been seven serotypes of the toxin, which you don't really actually care about, except for that type A, the most common form of botulinum toxin that we use in aesthetic clinical practice. It was in 1992 that the first report of use of botulinum toxins for cosmetic indication showing that there's benefit to injecting type A for the treatment of glabellar frown lines. I am not going to go into the biochemistry of this. I will actually do that as a bonus section added on to the end of this podcast. So if you really wanna know about the mechanism of action and the biochemistry behind this, please stay on after the podcast and after the outro, there'll be a bonus section that will go into the mechanism of action. For all of you who did not come here for a biochemistry or organic chemistry lecture, this podcast is for you and we're gonna go right into the aesthetic uses. What are the aesthetic uses or the cosmetic uses? Like I said, since 1992, That's almost 30 years ago, I guess we would have been all set. Meaning the generation before us did not have this amazing opportunity that we have to go and get Botox injected and look eternally as smooth as we want. Wow, only 30 years, huh? And it's such a household name. It's made a huge difference in my life and in my aesthetic practice life. What kind of things do we treat with Botox? Well, we've already mentioned about the clubella, the frown lines, the angry 11s. That is the most commonly treated part of the body. Following that, you've got the horizontal lines of the forehead. Of course, those forehead lines all across. I'm a total forehead razor, so eyebrow razor, meaning forehead wrinkler, eyebrow razor. For me, I could probably actually go without the glabella, but man, that forehead has like railroad tracks if I don't treat it. Then, of course, there's the crow's feet or the lateral canthel lines of the eyes. You can do a little bit of an eyebrow lift. You can do the little bunny nines on the nose, a gummy smile, the purdurage or dimple chin. We can treat things like platysmal bands on the neck and also hypertrophy of the masseter muscles, which can really lead to TMJ. So I do do TMJ Botox injections. Some people also want their masseter treated for facial slimming if they have really strong, big, bulky masseters because they feel like that it... makes their face more oval and more slim so we do the masseter injections both for tmj because of course if you grind with those muscles it can really kind of give you bad tmj or we do it for facial slimming and i also do a botox lip flip among other things if i forgot one i'll probably do it but basically we use it anywhere where contraction of the muscle causes you to have wrinkles or causes you to have falling or pulling in a way that you don't want. Not everything can be treated with Botox. And a lot of times I do have patients coming in wanting Botox for something, but then I have to be like, eh, that's really filler. Or, eh, that's really this, that, and the other. So even though, of course, the forehead and the frown and the crow's feet are very, very clear, it's always best to get a consultation with an experienced practitioner so that we can tell you what are really realistic goals. Is this caused by really contraction of the muscle, which is something that Botox would relax temporarily, or is this like a volume loss issue where we might need to use filler, or do you have those wrinkles so deeply set in that we might need to combine relaxing the muscles so you don't get any more with some sort of skin resurfacing. So there's Lots of lots of different things that we want to think about. But we all love ourselves some Botox. Botox is a quick in-office procedure. It comes as a powder. And then we mix it with sterile saline and shake it all up. I mix it with 2.5 cc's, which is the manufacturer recommended dilution. So I like to go with what the manufacturer recommends for the best results. Then it gets injected in the muscle, it gets uptaken by the nerve endings and the synapses and all of that stuff. About, I don't know, three to four days, you're going to start seeing the clinical effects, which means that you will basically wake up one morning and you will look into the mirror and Ooh, it is such a happy feeling to see it all starting to smoothen out. It peaks in about one to four weeks and lasts about three to four months. How long it lasts has to do with a variety of factors. First of all, we need to use enough to treat all of your nerve endings. And then a lot of it has to do with how quickly your body breaks it down and how quickly your body turns over the nerve endings. But on average, in studies, I think the 50th percentile when people got it done, at least in the Allergan study, at, who are the makers of Botox, I just looked at their package insert, it was 92 days. When you come to get a consultation with me, of course, first, I'm going to ask you to tell me the story about your face and what you're hoping to do, what your expectations are, what your budget is, all of that stuff. If we decide that, for example, you want to have Botox to, let's just say, your forehead and your frown, we're going to really talk about the procedure first. I'm going to ask you your medical history, make sure you have you know, no contraindications. Really, when we talk about contraindications, the really only Absolute ones are that you can't have an active infection where I want to inject, or known hypersensitivity to any component of the product. Also, if you do have a cow's milk al- allergy, sport is not for you, and we're going to go into the different brands in just a little bit. Relative contraindications that we're going to talk about are people that have neuromuscular disorders, um, such as myasthenia gravis, myopathies, or ALS. Of course, I always review M- umedlas because there's certain drugs that could interfere with muscular transmission, but I don't need to go into that. Just know that going to a physician or going to a licensed practitioner, you're gonna have somebody talk to you about your history to make sure it's very safe for you. I would give you consent where I talk about the benefits of Botox, which we kind of have talked a little bit about, and I would talk to you about the risks Of course, any time I'm going to stick a needle in your skin, there's the risk of infection, which in my practice I mitigate by using excessively sterile technique, of course gloves, of course single-use everything. I do a double cleanse of the area, and we're going to inject with as sterile of a technique as we possibly can, and of course using approved licensed product. The most common side effect is for people to get a mild headache, probably also because of the volume of saline that gets injected. Even though it's a small volume, your body can still feel it. Nothing that you shouldn't be able to handle. You obviously could hate it, but then it wears off. Um, You can in a very select few people, depending on where you inject, you might have a diffuse a little bit and you could drop somebody's brow or drop somebody's eyelid, which I have dropped one eyelid slightly during my entire career and thousands of people. And I apologize to that patient even now. Um, it was very minor and for gut injectors, it will happen rarely, but all side effects sort of happen. Of course, if you're maybe not that skilled of an injector, you might do it more frequently and then of course anytime you could be allergic to anything that's in there I think that covers sort of the major side effects and risks that I'm going to cover I'm going to give you expectations such as that the full effect will be about in 10 to 14 days And so if you want to come for a touch up, you feel you need a little more, you know, you want anything that the 14 day mark is really the time to do it. I'm going to have you sign consent. Uh, I take some before pictures, clean the area really, really thoroughly. And then we mark the area with a white pencil. Um, It's just a little makeup pencil. And what I will do is I'm going to have you, let's say, raise your eyebrow and I'm going to really mark you based on where your personal facial muscles pulled. I mean, I don't just go like two centimeters to the left. I really make sure to visualize where your frontalis pulls from. If there's any uneven pulling in one of the eyebrows or the other, I mark it based on the arch of your eyebrow and so on and so forth. Um, I mix up the product, um, we inject, I clean you back up, and out you go. And that day, you're going to look exactly the same. So nobody's going to know. You might have a couple little like almost like bug bite looking things at the injection site, but they normally go away in 15 to 30 minutes because it's really just little bubbles or the volume of saline is. But your body loves saline. It's the same thing we put in IVs. It floats around in our tissue like your body sucks it right up, which is why it's the perfect carrier and suspension fluid. And then as I said, you just wait a couple of days for the magic to happen. When we inject the actual Botox, some of you might have heard that there's actually more than one brand, that some people might have gotten Botox, that some people might have had Dysport or Xeomin. So let's talk about that a little bit to make sure you have all of the information. In my clinical practice, I use all of the approved neurotoxins in the United States because really it's sort of like driving a Mercedes or a Porsche or a Land Rover or an Audi. I mean, they're all fantastic, but you might have a preference. And when I say Botox, I mean all of the botulinum toxins. Botox is known by the trade name Onabotulinum toxin A. And now you see why we all use Botox. It is the oldest one on the market it is the original one which is why botox meaning the name of that specific product has become sort of the trademark or the colloquial name for it it been on the market since 2002 and it is really the one that everybody knows about like i said it comes in a powder it's c botulinum toxin type a it is fda approved for facial rejuvenation in 2009, the FDA approved abobotulinum toxin A, which is known under the trademark of Dysport. It is another brand of a botox toxin, and the one thing to know in terms of safety with Dysport is that the abobotulinum toxin A is supplied in vials that also contain lactose. So if a patient is severely allergic to lactose, we probably don't want to use Dysport. I do use Dysport a lot in my clinical practice because it seems to be a brand that patients really, really love. Just a year later, in 2010, the FDA approved Incobotulinotoxin A, also known as Xeomin, Xeomin is free of complexing proteins, which is thought to reduce the risk of sensitization and antibody formation against the toxin, meaning the immunogenicity of it is less. We use Xeomin a lot in our practice. It's also known as sort of the naked toxin. Gwyneth Paltrow is a spokesperson for it now, so you, some of you might have seen her ads. Just in 2019, the FDA approved the fourth and sort of the currently newest formulation for Botox. Pro Botulinotoxin A, also known as Juvo, has just been on the market for a couple of years. And let me just say, I use all of them. I use Botox, I use Dysport, I use Xeomin, I use Juvo. Which one should you use? Well, I would just say try them out. You know, in theory, in studies, they all work the same, meaning they all have similar efficacies. And we all know that we need to do non-inferiority trials to bring a new product on market, meaning if you want to license a new product, you have to show that it works as good or better than what's on the market. That doesn't mean with your own biology and your history and your proteins and your enzymes there might not be one or the other that works better for you which one do i put on my face the one that i have in my fridge so i use them all i love them all i am not going to bias you i do think there's one that may last a little bit longer on me and one that might last a little bit shorter but i'm not going to bias you however it's important that you only compare injections by the same injector with the same technique because some of it might also be amount used and where it's placed so just because dr x used 20 units of something and you didn't think it worked if i used 40 units of something else it's great that it works for you but it doesn't mean that something else is better than the first thing it just means my treatment plan is better however i carry all of them because i respect and honor your preference so those are all my thoughts on Botox. Botox, Onobotulinum Toxin A, Disport, Abobotulinum Toxin A, Xeomin, Incobotulinum Toxin A, and Juvo, Probotulinum Toxin A. Those are the ones on the market. Try them. Let me know which one you love. Let me know what questions you have on Botox. And like I said, Botox essentially is as close to magic fairy sprinkled dust you can get to your face. If I could have a daily sprinkle of Botox, it would be amazing. Last time I mentioned that Botox actually has been shown in studies to work against depression as well as an antidepressant. I have gotten a lot of questions about that and... So I'm going to address those in the next episode of the podcast. Please connect with us. Please subscribe. Please review. Please tell all of your friends about our podcast. And I cannot wait to talk to you next time. Have a most wonderful, glorious week. And all of my fresh-faced, Botox-faced or not-yet-Botox-faced friends out there, I love you and I wish you the best. Bye. See you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to the Aesthetic Doctor podcast with Dr. Judith Borger. We'd love to connect with you outside of the show. Follow Dr. Borger on Instagram at Dr. Borger and find more online and ways to work with Dr. Borger at www.theaestheticdoctor.com. Until next time, be well. All right, friends, for those of
1: you that are still here, here is the absolute geeky microbiology, pharmacology, organic chemistry, whatever you want to call it, bonus section, where I really go into the mechanism of action of botulinum toxin. Like I said in the main podcast, botulinum toxin inhibits neurotransmission between peripheral nerve endings and muscle fibers and thus weakens and paralyzes skeletal muscle it is able to do so by inhibiting the release of acetylcholine from peripheral nerve cells into neuromuscular junctions if we want to get even more in depth each botulinum toxin botulinum toxins are peptides that are really composed of one heavy chain and one light chain. The heavy chain of the injected toxin binds to receptors on the terminal ends of the nerve cells and then the peptide is taken up into the cytoplasm of the cell through endocytosis, basically getting swallowed and taken up by the cell. Once they're in the cytoplasm of the cell or the inside of the cell, the light chain then cleaves a complex of proteins that are necessary for the cell to release acetylcholine. The protein complex is called SNARE and the sites at which Botox cleaves within the SNARE protein complex differ among the serotypes, which is why we only kind of use botulinum toxin type A in cosmetic indications, which cleaves something called SNAP 25, which we won't go into what that means. Basically, because the SNARE protein complex and SNAP25 get cleaved or cut apart or put into two pieces, basically acetylcholine stays in the neuron and is not released into the synapse. And thus, it can't bind two receptors on muscle fibers and stimulate muscle contraction, which sort of means there's something called a chemo denervation going on, where we have the chemical needed for contraction no longer in the synapse. That is how botulinum toxin gives you the temporary sort of paralysis, a weakness of the skeletal muscle. Of course, we inject it really targeted into the muscles that we want to paralyze, which means all of us injectors really need to know our facial anatomy really, really good. The inhibitory effect is temporary. As I said, it takes about three months for the neuromuscular junction to recover. And the reason it recovers is that you get new collateral nerve ends and the terminal buds of the nerve ends also get turned over by your body like everything else gets turned over. So you get both the recovery of the original nerve terminal as well as new sort of nerve ends. So there, for those of you who really wanted to know it in big words and biochemistry and mechanism of action and pharmacology, here it is. I put it as a bonus section because it's super duper heavy and I feel like the majority of my listeners probably did not want to know that. But hey, good for you for sticking in there. If you have any questions, let me know. Thank you for listening and dream of some acetylcholine or the lack off because that's what gives us a smooth forehead. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for listening to the Aesthetic Doctor podcast with Dr. Judith Borger. We'd love to connect with you outside of the show. Follow Dr. Borger on Instagram at Dr. Borger and find more online and ways to work with Dr. Borger at www.theaestheticdoctor.com. Until next time, be well.